Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort. This episode is sponsored by Ministry of Supply and Squarespace.com. I'm joined tonight by Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, and Georgia Dow, whose title I have managed to forget despite the fact that you are quite a somewhat frequent guest on this show. Tell us about it's yourself, okay. Georgia. I'll, I'll call myself Grand Pooba. Grand Pooba, <laughs> Georgia Dow, uh, of the Disruption Podcast, of course, but I know that you also do other things in your life. Yeah, I, Owner of, I think of I Nintendo do. products, I Nothing think. Nothing really <laughs> worth mentioning. Nothing really. worth mentioning. Yeah, yes. you know, yeah. That's what yeah. I figured. It's like that. not a big Here deal. Right. Eh. You like help people make their brains good? I might. I try to do that. Doesn't always work, but I do try. We all try, Georgia. That's what so matters. As long as we're fact checking our titles, Simone, I think you've got to say candidate for the United States House of Representatives Heck yeah. uh, from now Is that on your when you're introducing me. So, yeah. Just add, throw it all in there. <laughs> Candidate House of Representatives. That's it. That's it. Not Queen so, of the United States, because we are a Yes, so Georgia, I have a question for you. I'm just now getting around to watching Dexter on Showtime, and I've gotten through the first season, and you know, there's a very troubling uh, plot arc with a, uh, with a therapist that ends up being a, a serial killer. And I just wanted to ask you, like, you, you don't do that, do you? Because I know we've talked a bit about your, your approach to Lord of the Rings video game and orcs, of which you've slayed thousands. <laughs> you know, uh, we really do get a bad rap, I have to say. Um, if you've watched Hannibal, like, yeah. any, really any show that has a therapist on it, usually we get a bad rap. Um, no, I don't delve that way. It's just not my thing. Okay. But, um, there's a reason why I don't often go to a party and I'm the, f- you know, really forthright in saying that I'm a-, a psychotherapist. I mean, what I learned from Hannibal is that he's super sexy and seems like he's really good at communicating. So I'm not sure what's wrong with that. Yeah. He's beautiful. Yeah, nothing- he-, he dresses <laughs> really well. <laughs> he does. He dresses really well. Um, you know... Cuts meat really well, speaks very well, just unfortunately is just a sociopath. What can we say? Aw, so sweet. <laughs> so. We start this off with, with happy thoughts, really, right? So many happy thoughts. Uh, yeah, well, let's dive into the first topic because Brianna Wu has a sad voice because you got sick. I, Which do, I, won't, I do. I won't make you relive the horrors of it, but your husband got you sick and... um. We have had stern words with him about what germs he can and cannot bring into the Wu household. That's true. I made We're the very mistake of going to a, a biotech party, uh, my husband's biotech <laughs> holiday party. That'll and do it. You I see, gotta tell do you it. though, it was super posh. Like, oh my god! Like, I'm talking like people are bringing over like plates of oysters whenever you want it, and Ugh. like super like just trays of salmon and anything you could want like crab legs are just being brought out to you i'm like wow i went to the wrong industry here this is uh this is amazing that sounds kind of scary though because you went to a biotech party and then you got sick so Uh either someone isn't doing the biotech thing right because they should be washing their hands or you might have something that's really scary chemical weapons it's true it, they could. It could be a Spider-Man thing, you know. Like Ooh. they're they're testing secret powers out on me. Okay, so, Bree, I'm gonna ask. I'm yeah. gonna ask Bree. What would be your superpower? You could get one. What would it be? Oh my god! 
Oh just my one. god! I think it would have to be uh, the ability to time travel. That would be awesome. Oh, that's a really good one. I would Simone? go back and fix every oh, like single that. mistake I've made, uh, which would be most of the shows I've done with you, Georgia. <laughs> I'd go back in time, and we would just repair all those mistakes. I'm just, I know. I'm just imagining like a, a horrible scenario where you go back in time to make sure you're never on a podcast with Georgia, and then you come back to the future, <laughs> no, and you're like, I mean, "Oh, thank not, God, not it's over." And then you realize Georgia. you have ten shows yeah. with Georgia. That you <laughs> a lot of shows. You're gonna be spending a lot of time going back and reliving those moments. It's true. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? Someone point. is gonna have to go back through every single episode of isometric disruption and uh, rocket for Oppo uh, research on me, and they're gonna have to like catalog every <laughs> joke I've told about you, Georgia. There's gonna be some <laughs> folder at the Republican National Committee with like every single joke I've told about you. It's gonna be oh great. You're gonna get calls. <laughs> yes, so Georgia. Did would you like to make a statement? You? And then I'm like, I don't know what. What do I? <laughs> oh my god. Well, speaking of it's making statements, <coughs> an inopportune drink of water. Speaking of making statements, uh, a few outlets today have written up that Google is being sued by the Department of Labor for withholding compensation data uh, that's part of an audit uh, being done on them because they're a federal contractor. They're being audited. Um, and, <laughs> oh, my God, I really I really failed at drinking that water. I'm just going to need to drink more now. <laughs> this is the cruel oh, cycle Simone. of life. So, so. Basically, they're being audited. The Google's position is that they don't want to release this data because it involves the contact information of employees, former employees, and the Department of Labor is like, nah, son, we want that data, and we think that this is a weak excuse. And Google's like, yo, we like to protect our employees, of, of uh, you know, and we safeguard rigorously their private contact information are the words of Google's statement I'm reading to you now. What what's your guys' posi- take on this? I guess it's it's a lie. Yeah, <laughs> you don't no, think that uh, the employee's private contact information is being safeguarded rigorously? I I think that there are some fantastic data engineers that I know at Google, and there are ways you could take to, you know, basically occlude that data. Um, you know, Simone, your very fine website, probably the finest website in the entire world, polygon.com, uh, did a fantastic piece, Susanna uh, did with uh, Lexi Alexander, you know, our good friend and director of Geek uh, Cinema, uh, with her basically going forward and testifying before the EEOC, the Equal Opportunity uh, you know, Commission, mm-hmm. uh, on these issues. And she really laid every bit of it out, like how hard it is to you know, make a case with uh, federal regulators that, you know, Basically, uh, discrimination happens and hiring, you know, wage discrimination happens because it's so hard to get that information. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's be clear. Like, Google was the first uh, company to really put forward follows solid steps in measuring what they are and are not doing to the public. Uh, and now that the government's looking at it and trying to, you know, see that everything's, you know, on the up and up, they're, they're hiding all their data. Google practically invented data-driven decision-making in our industry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a complete pretext. It's not believable. Mm-hmm. So what do, what do you think that this compensation data might show about Google? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Like, um, 
You know, in the tech industry, we've seen a lot of data that's come out that shows that, you know, women are not paid as much as men are, uh, you know, in the tech industry, especially. Uh, I, I don't was believe that. To, I know, it's shocking, right? Uh, Georgia, I was you invited, wild card. <laughs> I was invited to speak at Google uh, just a couple of months ago. I had some uh, very frank conversations with a lot of the engineers that work there. So uh, I do believe that Google is a, a, a place that's progressing quicker than say the game industry Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's you know i'm quoting google when i say this if you can't measure it you can't solve it Mm -hmm. that is literally a quote from one of their founders so you know what's good for the goose guys yeah that's true and i mean with like with a company like google the fact that, that this is happening to them they're so high profile um they're the best company possible that this could happen to because they are an industry leader they do set examples and if for if they do release data and the department of labor finds that they are being unjust then that's i think that that creates more effective change in the industry than if this happened to i don't tiny start tiny tech startup number 570 I mean, so can I say something about that? A lot of why I'm running for office, and, you know, I just want to say I don't want to turn Rocket into, like, a campaign thing, you know, through the next year and a half. But a lot of why I'm running for office is I've reached a conclusion that talking about this stuff isn't getting us anywhere new. Mm -hmm. It's not. And you have to follow up with uh, federal regulation and laws. And we have to make, you know, push in that direction. So the thing is here... These laws that the federal government is trying to enforce are relatively weak, as I understand Mm -hmm. them. Uh, But it's the only thing that's getting Google's attention. So let's say this lawsuit goes through and it is successful and it shows that there is basically a bias there. Where does the tech industry go from there? Well, the lawyers start talking to the companies they represent and they're like, look, this is going to get really expensive if we don't pay the women here fairly. It's going to be cheaper to get this problem Mm -hmm. solved up front. So the instant you introduce consequences into that behavior, uh, that's the moment that things, uh, you know, start to get done. So, uh, you know, ultimately this lawsuit will be adjudicated by the merits of the case itself. But I think the, you know, the jurisprudent step of the government saying, okay, we need this data, please give us this data. Uh, I think it's it's a real step towards uh, basically justice in the civil court system. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully in favor of this. Georgia, how do you feel? Well, it's, 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 I guess that the irony isn't probably hasn't fallen onto to everyone to see how, like, really, Google sells people's information for a living. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's what they do. And now suddenly they're coming out on, oh, we don't want to give it to the government because uh, we want to protect our employees' privacy, right? But they yeah. sell everyone's information to just some Fred guy that's, like, wanting to, to find out some information on the corner street, but they won't give it to the government. It's some of the weakest argument that Google's I could hear. Google's in the alley in a trench coat. Hey, want to buy right. some identities? Yeah. And they're like, oh, sure, sure, of course. But then the government comes into it and they're like, oh, no, suddenly we stand up for privacy. It seems like they're trying to use, um, you know, Apple's reason for actually protecting our privacy and thinking <laughs> that they could get away with it. It just yeah. – it's, it's absolutely ridiculous there's only one reason why they wouldn't want to give up this information, and that's if there's there's something that they want mm-hmm. to keep private for their own personal reasons, because really they would sell it to the highest bidder if not. And and 
could already be. So I think that the need for transparency is really high, especially in huge conglomerate companies that like Google is a massively large company. When you have to start splitting your company into smaller companies, you know that you are a massively large company that deals with some of the biggest defense projects as well now that they have also by Boston Dynamics we need to know this information. I think that it's something that everyone should know and that they're trying to hide behind the need for privacy is is something that we have to make sure doesn't go through. But the problem is, is that when a company gets this big, it becomes really difficult because Google has Googles of money to be able to litigate this. And so we'll have to see how it goes through. So can I play Christina Warren here on the show for just yeah. a second? Because she, she brings us back to reality sometimes. Um I, I think I would kind of counter it with this, Georgia, and say, you know, lawyers' jobs are to protect the company from uh, exposure, legal exposure, and their job is to put forward the, the best argument to get the best result for their employer, right? So I do think with this, it is fair and accurate to say, you know, this is a civil case, it's clearly being decided by lawyers. I think you can kind of extrapolate and say, you know, this probably doesn't have a lot to do with how Google, the company itself, might take diversity. And I have to say, I've uh, to a person, I can think of about three people I've met in my entire career that work at Google that I walked away saying they don't get it when it's every other person in the game industry. So I, I think that it's worth noting that their legal team isn't necessarily their management team. And we probably shouldn't conflate that here. But I think the overall look of it is certainly not good for Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else to add on this? Well, what do you think, Simone? What do you think? I mean, I, I, yeah, I wasn't so familiar with, I guess, the backstory of it, but I do stand by what I said earlier that, like, as an industry leader, what Google does will trickle down, even though tri- the trickle down economy is a lie. But what Google does and the culture that Google mm-hmm. sets does trickle down to other companies. And so it's important that if someone is going to be held accountable, like it's great that it's Google because people, people look up to them. They're the reason open plan offices exist as far as I understand. Um, So (laughs) yes. Yeah. I'm, I would prefer to believe that, you know, everything is great and fine and dandy, but it is true that like, I personally don't, when I when I think of privacy and my personal privacy on the internet, you know, I do everything I can with the tools that Google has offered me to protect my privacy uh, within their services. But I also, I'm not, I don't think of them in the same way that I think of Apple or or other companies as like this is someone who like it, is safeguarding me. It's true that they don't have that re- that reputation necessarily. So yeah, it is it is an interesting. I, I hadn't put together the i guess the the connection to apple's dealio with um the fbi that's that's an interesting angle that i had not thought of when i was reading the the articles about this which are at the moment i haven't seen any like deep think pieces yet it's mostly just reporting that the that the dol is suing them for you know to to release the information I typically don't go to USA Today for my really top level legal analysis. So <laughs> yeah, I looked, I I looked at the Verge and I looked at there. CNN, yeah. and they're all just kind of at the moment reporting that this is happening. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens as the uh, next few days unfold. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting times. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Ministry of Supply, a company that understands the struggles that we face in this business casual world or business semi-formal world. They understand that you don't want to be uncomfortable for 40 hours of your week. That time that you spend in clothes that you don't that aren't comfortable is miserable and horrible and it probably probably impacts your work. I'm just going to say that as me myself. So Ministry of Supply is on the route to fixing this for you. They offer work clothes that are not restrictive, they're breathable, and by the end of the day they aren't wrinkly and horrible. And I personally have been wearing some Ministry of Supply clothes. And in fact, I actually wore, I <laughs> I have, I had the perfect day for actually doing this ad read because, so I got um, a Ministry of Supply shirt. I got the Easier Than Silk shirt, uh, which is a, a polyester shirt that feels like soft, like silk, but um, is, is drapey and doesn't get wrinkly and horrible and nightmare-esque. And it's machine washable, which is great because today, as I was like getting dressed up to test out the clothes, I didn't have time to wash my hair, so I put in some dry shampoo for the first time in my life, not realizing that it was powder, and it got all over my shirt, and I was like, really? (laughs) So I had to spot clean my shirt. And it was perfect. And it, I got the dark blue one, so it didn't like it. The, it didn't even look like it was wet. First of all, I was able to spot Ooh. clean it, and it still looked pristine. Uh, then I did the same thing later, but with um, concealer p- powder foundation. Got that all over the shirt at work. Washed it off again. It was perfect. So <laughs> I can't. You totally tested this shirt. Yeah, you did. So tell me the truth. Simone, yes. did you look like, like, are you walking down the street and you're going like, I am Carrie Matheson from Homeland? Because everything here, like they've got stuff for dudes and women, but it's like, it looks super professional, like she does on that show, right? Like it's, it's tailored, but it looks, I don't know. It's just, I literally uh, it looks walked awesome. into work and everyone was like, oh, what's the occasion? <laughs> this is partially because of what I usually wear, but also because, you know, you walk into work and like, nice straight line gray pants and a navy blue beautiful dress shirt and people are like whoa who's she what's she Mm. up to i literally felt like i was wearing like an adult costume like like (laughs) fancy business lady on show i didn't wear my my watch today but i really should have like i walked in I, i i felt like i stood up straighter all day long and i have a terrible slouch so this was this was new for me I was like, I have to stand up straight to do these clothes justice. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I It felt like I, I was dressed like an adult, which is probably the biggest endorsement that I could give something. Um, I love that you say that it also increases your posture. Like, that's just... This is not that's guaranteed, but not for me, it was the, the reaction. Because I was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I gotta sit up straight. I can't slouch in this. <laughs> and I, I should preface this by saying, like, I'm not a person who generally wears pants because I find them uncomfortable. I didn't have any of the problems with these pants that I have with, like, other dress pants that, like, when you sit down, they pinch in places and then you're always trying to adjust and you're sad and you're miserable. I didn't have that problem with these. I just put them on and I wore them all day and I also didn't spill on them. So, you know, I didn't test that. But the pants stayed on my body. I, I didn't have a desire to, like, rip them off like the Hulk by the end of the day. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> Ministry of Supply says that uh, you'll have the, a sharp professional look all day long. Um, and that the clothes feature temperature control, wrinkle resistance, and extreme stretch. Which, in my experience, true. 
Very true. Yeah, I wore both the pants and the shirt today, and um, I got a heck of a lot of compliments, a heck of a lot of people wondering why I was so dressed up, where I was going, what I was up to, probably thought I was going to make a million-dollar deal. So Ministry Supply also now makes socks, dress socks, that provide extra cushion with more padding than gym socks. I want these socks, yo. And they offer free shipping, free returns, and a 100-day no-questions-asked return policy. So if you want to try looking good for a 100 days... And then try looking good again for 100 days. Don't do that. Just buy the clothes. You can find out more by going to ministryofsupply.com slash rocket. That is ministryofsupply.com slash rocket. You'll get a free pair of moisture-wicking smarter dress socks with your first purchase. Uh, yeah, so head there or they actually have retail stores in San Francisco, Atlanta, and Chicago. So that's super cool. And you can actually go into the store and mention this show and you could get, I guess, those socks, because you should. You should get those darn socks. <laughs> get those socks, look good, people. It's really cool stuff. Those are my words for you. All right. Uh, so there is a great piece. CES is happening right now, obviously. That's why Christina's not here, in case you were wondering. Um, and I'll be on disruption tomorrow to replace Micah Sargent, because I am the better sergeant. The more... <laughs> You know, we, can we talk about our title last week, Simone? Yeah, please you know, do explain. I, I gave that title. I gave that title. And after I sent it off to, you know, Relay CEO, uh, Stephen, uh, you know, I'm like, wow, this would be a really good name if you perform in adult films. Like Sergeant Rochefort. That is that is an amazing name. And I, I don't think you should do that, Simone. But I think someone out there should use this for good in the world to just increase the amount of awesome. Oh, out put there. that up for grabs. Anyone who wants it. I mean, are my shows not adult enough for you, Brie? Uh no. No, okay. not really. Okay. You um, might need a different type of adult. I, what what if I just... told you that I was wearing the Ministry of Supply clothes on my show this week? Would okay, that make yeah, it adult that, enough for that you? That would work. That would okay. work. If you were reading uh, you know, some of the uh, the work by a uh, friend of the show, captured by Clippy author, what is his name? Uh, Leonard Delaney. That Leonard would work Delaney, my man. Yep. So back to the, the subject at hand. Uh, Christina's at CES. Uh, every I feel like half the people I know are at CES looking at new gadgets. Uh, but one of the great pieces that came out this week so far has been um, by a bunch of women who work at The Verge entitled, Do Beauty Gadgets Have to Be Terrible? And it was inspired by this freaking smart hairbrush that is at CES that I guess tells you as you're brushing your hair, mm, that's... That's tangled. It has Wi-Fi. It's a Wi-Fi Bluetooth equipped hairbrush that I I guess just I tells you how tells crappy you, you are it, at combing your own hair. It, yeah, exactly. It's not that it when it hurts that you know it's tangled. Right. You need a oh. brush to tell you this. I, I think that it's not just that the gadgets are terrible, but it's that they they just think that we're stupid because like 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 I was thinking like maybe this would be good you know, for people that might, you know, be blind. And I'm thinking, no, you would feel that that hurts. The deaf know that it hurts arms. You, like, no matter what, you would know, how would this tell you faster than you would know that my hair is tangled? Yeah. I'm just asking. Yeah, and, like, the the real problems with hair come as you go out of the house. So, like, if you're, if you're visually impaired and you need to know if your hair is 
tangled maybe i don't know there's some other device that isn't a hairbrush that does this for you but the you point just that they use your fingers and run it through your hair <laughs> touch your damn hair you use keeping the hairbrush in your hair when you go out would be really wrong just yeah hang it this so here we have a barrette if we had a barrette that like keeps an eye on your hair anyway the point is the great point that they can't come to in this round table is that this is this is the some of a lot of these beauty tech devices are not about making things actually easier or faster for women to do. They're uh, just about like telling you you're doing it wrong or that you have wrinkles or whatever, like things that we can, we can look in the mirror and be like, my skin doesn't look great and my hair is tangled, but how do I, as a busy person, like fix that in a way that is affordable and efficient? I don't need someone to also tell me that my hair is tangled. The great example that uh, one of them uses in the article is that it's the equivalent of your mom licking you up and down on prom night and going, huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really, it's really it, right? Like they open up talking about how, you know, long hair is a complete pain in the butt. And I, I can't tell you how resentful I felt at times knowing that like, you know, we'll, I'll be at some event and like my husband will be there with me and like five seconds he's ready to go. I'm still you know, messing around with my hair. And the, the, the point here is that we need people designing these devices that have these kind of lived experiences that can save time. Like it is a complete pain in the butt to go through and wash your hair and straighten it. It takes me 40 minutes every single time I do it. And then styling, it takes even longer after that. So you know, uh, it, it was a really, really great roundtable just looking at the way that this entire market is really missing the mark. Mm-hmm. And they bring up some great products that are actually helpful, like eyeliner that is more like a pen than like a brush that makes it easier and things like that. Like the things that are important are things that are more hardware rather than software. And uh, there's a great point later in the piece also that things that would actually make life easier aka faster, more affordable, are also things that unfortunately would be against the, I guess, the the goals of the beauty industry as a whole, because they're making it they're making you need to buy less products. And that's kind of not what <laughs> not what any industry is about, but like especially beauty and fashion. Like you they always want you to be evolving. And at, at some point, like they do need to make things easier for you, but you don't need, they don't want you to buy like some sort of device that lets you only style your hair once a month and it just stays like in perfect curls for a month or something. Oh like, God. I know, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, women used to go to hair salons and like get their hair done for the week or for the next couple weeks and they wouldn't wash it and they would just be like, they would do, you know, it would go through various evolutions like in that within that week, but. It was like a, a kind of an an appointment thing that happened on a regular basis. We don't really do that anymore, but there's definitely there's so much room for innovation in that industry and it's it's happening in small hardware ways, but there's also this disconnect between the tech industry and the beauty industry and like how do they work together to solve problems that we have because our society is gendered and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, you do think about the people that create these products are, are, like, what are they thinking when they make them? You know, like, the hairbrush one is really ridiculous just because, like, t- to say that my hair is greasy, like, I, I know my hair is greasy. Like, you could feel it. <laughs> yeah, you I, can I can tell. tell. I'm trying you know, to disguise it so that you can't tell. Like, there's so many other cues. There's no way I need my brush 
to be hooked up to a device to tell me it's greasy. Like when I start going, oh, I should really wash it, but I really don't want to. Or like the dry shampoo thing. It's because it saves us time. We want to do things faster, easier. We want to look good for longer periods of time. These don't do any of those things. Like there's very few tech products that have that have come out for for fashion that, you know, or beauty that I'm like, oh, yes, this is really amazing. Like, you know, you talk about the spray on polish, like that makes a total mess. Like it just destroys everything. It's like hair. It's like, um, it's like trying to, to, to tag a wall, but you're tagging your entire hand instead and then hope that it stays on your fingernails. You have to then put the clear coat and then wash it all off. It's a complete mess. Like there's just some stuff that you're like, Hmm, you know, like, yeah, though I, I'd love the spray on makeup. Like if I could just wear like a like a mask that had like my eyes like set up and my lips, and I could just spray everything yeah, that's on. A, like put on a face oh mask at night, go to sleep in it, and it soaks into your skin, and you pull it off in the morning, and you're wearing a full face of makeup. That would be yeah, awesome, something. and it's moisturizing oh you at the same God. time, so that you're not a dry, flaky nightmare want, monster like I am. Yeah, well, that's what you want. You want I want to save time. I want to look good with less time in there and buying less products. And these all seem to be wanting to sell us more stuff and we're already so self-involved in our own like looks and beauty and uh it's just it's exhausting it's exhausting less is more mm-hmm. can i tell you guys like now that i'm running for office i've had to like i i go through and i'm like what am i how am i going to present myself right because like indie dev with like neon red hair like rolling in with the star wars t-shirt and you know that's just it's 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 not gonna work you know like i, I have a appointment tomorrow to like get the the red streak taken out of my hair but you know the the time factor is it's really frustrating yeah you know, i was thinking about how little hair technology has really uh, improved yeah. uh, over my lifetime like i i think a lot of guys out there don't know this but like you know, for me to straighten my hair, I need a chi iron, which is a $200 product. Uh, I have to spend uh, you know, the oil that you use with it is ungodly expensive. Uh, it's like a little 12-ounce bottle of it. costs about $20, and you can wash your hair maybe about five, six times with that. Uh, if you buy bigger ones, it's a lot less. And then you have to go through, you have to blow dry your hair, you have to untangle your hair, you have to like fry all of your hair straight. And then you have to take the hair and use a curling iron and get different parts of it one way and do the rest and ha- hairspray every single part of it into place. And that's just like halfway professional, mm-hmm. right? It's just, a, it's a huge waste of time. And it, you know, frankly, I, I resent that rather than spending time working on policy or fundraising or phone calls or networking, you know, I'm having to like spend a few thousand dollars on dresses, you know? So it's, uh, these are problems out there and there's a lot of money to be, to be made for these products. I just, um, I, I, I really question the culture and if it's going to be able to deliver it because you guys are, are dead on that this hairbrush, it's just, it's, it's solving a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Ah, Ridiculous. The culture. <laughs> yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Where you can, it yeah. wasn't a beauty product. Thank God. <laughs> you can make beauty things. You can make beautiful things, Georgia. Or if even if you personally are selling the thing that will make that will soak into my face and make me look like I'm wearing makeup when I wake up in the morning, you can sell that thing on Squarespace on your Squarespace site. But Moving on from that, you can enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. So, 
Make your next move. Make your next website with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. That great face mask idea that Simone had. You want to sell that. I'm not patenting that idea, you guys. You can just take that and run all the way to the bank with it. Get a unique domain for it. Uh, let's call it uh, easymask.com. I'm not going to check if that's taken. You, you, you work on that. This is your branding thing. You work on that. Squarespace has award-winning templates, and it has great support as well. So whether you're creating an online store, or a portfolio, or a blog, or a website because you're an author who wants to advertise your books and have a blog and a contact page and also show off the podcast that your friends do that you've worked on as well, you could do that on Squarespace. You could just make that website, and you could obsessively adjust it every day and, like, check in on it just because you it looks so good and you want to, like, remind yourself that you built it yourself because you think it looks really good. So you think that most of the traffic is probably coming from you, but you don't care. <laughs> you've checked the analytics because Squarespace offers analytics. You've looked at them, and you've noticed that it probably is the most of the traffic is from you, but that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do that exact thing. Build a website and then obsessively check its analytics. There's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. You don't need upgrade to upgrade anything. You don't even need to know how to code. You can build it yourself just from dragging and dropping the little puzzle pieces of a website into place, adjusting every page I found out. <laughs> just recently so recently that my pages all have like I have like a website a whole website footer that I can adjust with the click of a button and like make a footer that appears on every single page of my website and all those pages have their own individual footers so I I, I, I've spent so I I love tweaking my stupid website I can't stop it's an obsession um so, yeah, you can adjust all these kinds of things. Uh, and if you get confused along the way, they have 24-7 customer support. So if you need help, go grab yourself some help. Um, and they also let you, as I said before, quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. So when you're selling those face masks, uh, you should buy the domain name. Hey, Simone, look, face masks here for you. Dot com. I think that's a really, I think that's really optimized. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> But don't take. Can I tell you something? Yeah, go for it. Like this week, uh, yeah, because we had to set up Brianna Wu 2018. I I found out it integrates so super well with another sponsor of our show, Mailchimp. Like it's literally you just click a box to link your form over to your Mailchimp for like a mailing list, and it's like you know it works with the you know the all the security features over on Mailchimp's side. Uh, tomorrow we're going to figure out how to like integrate uh, fundraising stuff into it. So it's been mega flexible like i've just been super impressed with every bit of that two questions has mega chimps or mega chimp mailchimp sponsored our show because i'm not sure they have however maybe they haven't maybe they sponsored maybe they should now they will i'm sure that they will brianna Wu for 2018 prophecies of who will sponsor rocket either way i mean mailchimp is great and i personally like found that they integrate easily with twitter and facebook so you can like publish to your Twitter feed, you can publish to a Facebook page as uh, your Squarespace site, or they'll publish to the pages you. So if like you update your blog on squarespace.com or your website, squarespace.com, then you can push that to your Facebook page and just boom, easy, easy as heck. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month and you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com 
And what happens there is that you'd go there and then you just build your website and then you just have it. And then if you want to publish it, then you get, you know, you do, you pay $12 a month, you get that plan. Or you could just look at your website and then want it and then fall in love with it and then get that plan. Um, and when you decide to sign up, if you use the offer code Rocket, you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for us here at Rocket and Really FM. So thank you, Squarespace, for your support. And enjoy your website building forever and ever and ever. I'm so excited. Every time like something new happens, I'm like, oh boy, time to time to adjust my website. Oh boy, it's that day again. Oh my god. I can't wait. Your book, uh, you just got a release date, so I cannot wait for I just I'm looking forward to that so much. Thank you. I'm really ex- I feel very oh. good about this one. I'm when is ex- the release? I'm glad date? it's coming out before Mass Effect. I'm, I'm I know, really right? happy about that. <laughs> I would I, I would be really like competing with Mass yeah. Effect for I'm all that attention that we're both getting. <laughs> Mass Effect has to come first. Georgia, you've never played Mass Effect. Don't even front on this show. I, I haven't, but I know you have. Actually, I've played oh. Mass Effect before. It's not my favorite game. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Don't kick me off oh. yet. Um. Never invited back. I'll fight you I tomorrow know. in disruption. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. No, you're banned. This should is have over. I, just, I should have just kept my P's and Q's I on can't, that one. Eh? I can't go on. Okay, <laughs> you come on our show. Save the show. You Save talk the show. crap about... Yeah. Games. Sorry. You have a whole other Sorry. show for that, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in <sighs> sad news, terrible segue since now I'm laughing, um, Medium has laid off a third of its staff, uh, which sucks. So basically, the this was over concerns about page view-based advertising. They wanted to switch to a different advertising model. Um, disclaimer, obviously, I work for a website that has a page view-based advertising. Um, I think we've all written for sites that have page view-based advertising. Anyway, so this is a concern of Medium. Um, uh, and they've laid off uh, 50 people, which is a third of its of the staff of the company, as they kind of look for what their next model might be. Um, and this is after they had done a deal um, getting the All and the Ringer onto Medium as a platform and had revenue, I think, for the first time. So I, I don't know. This this is part of an ongoing, I guess, struggle within internet publishing, which is that, you know, people hate advertisements and advertisements can also be really targeted and intrusive in a, and you know privacy endangering um as well so that everyone is still kind of struggling to find a middle ground here and what medium is trying to do is move completely away from that which i don't know what that looks like really unless you had just have like infinite investor dollars yeah um have either of you ever been down to medium hq before no no so i have to say like some of the finest networking uh events i've ever had in my life have been at medium uh you know they've sponsored a lot of women in tech events uh when i've been down in in san francisco and you know i i go to a lot of tech industry events and talk to a lot of people but medium's culture has always struck me as really a cut above everyone else uh you know the people especially women engineers i know that work there are all particularly good 
Um, so I was, you know, I haven't checked in with my friends yet to see who's, um, you know, if they're affected by this, but, you know, I think it's always important to remember that, you know, layoffs are, are personal. I, I think zooming out a little bit and, you know, so I'd love your opinion on this. Uh, you know, you're right that we've been struggling with this for a long time. Uh, a stat I think about a lot is uh, before you were born, Simone, but when George and I were in uh, high school, there was a show on called My So-Called Life, uh, and its ratings it were several. Show. It was a great show. Uh, it was canceled due to low ratings, which I think were like 19 million viewers a week, which today would be a hit show of a hit show of a hit show. Uh, but what's happened is our, uh, you know, what's interesting is with web advertising, um, you know, the audiences keep growing and growing and growing and growing. Um, but the audiences, I mean, the, the amount companies are willing to pay for that, the CPM rates are just plummeting. And I don't know if the answer to that is for like, uh, you know, companies to get together and form some sort of trade partnership with CPM rates to just set them higher. So the people that work there can make a living wage. Um, I don't know what the answer is. But when I hear that medium is going to bravely go try to solve this problem and move past like making sure people get paid, I'm like, better than you have tried. You know, uh, Gruber has talked about how Daring Fireball has, you know, he doesn't make money from that as much as the talk show now. You know, this is John freaking Gruber. Um, So I, you know, really wish Medium the best. And, but at the same time, it's, if they're not laying out a plan that makes me go, you know, yeah, that makes sense. I'm worried it's going to be another trunk, you know, like (laughs) you just put up some, you know, trunk, if you don't know, is this, uh, it's basically a a mega conglomerate in the newspaper industry now. And their, their videos are a thing of majesty because it sounds super confident. It doesn't mean a damn thing when you listen to it. So yeah. I mean, how do you feel about Simone? I'm, I'm looking through, um, CEO of Williams blog post right now to see, um, if they're, are more specific details that I missed. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is, it's sad and it's difficult. And like, I, I think the thing we are all that came up when we were talking about it today in Slack is that we've all read something that we loved on medium, but no one visits medium and looks for things. It's something that you go to because somebody has tweeted a link or posted a link on Facebook. You find it through the people, not through them as a publishing platform. And I know it it is great for people who are writing content and want to present it in an aesthetically aesthetically appealing way. But I don't know what medium is doing to get a writer's work out there to be visible more than what the writers are already doing on their own to make their work visible. So it's it's just a very difficult problem to solve. I mean, Medium has wonderful typography. I mm-hmm. think it's got probably the finest layout in the business. It's beautiful. I think their comments, their comments section leaves a lot to be desired as someone who gets uh, critiqued on Medium a lot and drawn <laughs> into comments. And I'm like, I don't even know you. Why am I getting pinged here? Uh yeah, but I think you're right, though, Simone. I would be honest and say I don't go to Polygon every day and read stories the that's way I true. used to. Yeah. I look for the ones that are they're published. So I think that's a, a challenge across the industry. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess the difference 
with medium and i mean this is uh, this isn't to say that i'm you know 100 percent like nobody goes to medium blah 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 but like it is more fractured in that it, it does boost independent creators um and it, it obviously it has organizations as well that are on it like the all in the ringer etc um but it really is a it's a platform for everyone and i think that's both a blessing and a curse because there's i guess there there's not a united compelling reason to go to medium.com like if i if i were to go to polygon's front page which i as a loyal polygon reader do every single day of my life um i'd be like okay what's happening in video game news today i'm gonna go to polygon.com i don't know which medium blog i would go to to like get a specific kind of news i don't I know, you know, what I would find. Obviously, I'm on the front page right now, and I'm finding, you know, work that's from a bunch of different creators that's being boosted, but I'm not finding, like, a a compelling um, way that that's being... There's no identity, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm more, there's an identity. If I go there, I know what I'm getting. Polygon is identity. You know, really well-produced expert uh, video game journalism that's not blatantly sexist, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, If I go to Medium, is it going to be uh, a really incredibly well-researched, investigated piece on Shanley? Or is it someone's blog? Is it going to be a a Gamergate blog blasting Brianna Wu? (laughs) Is it going to be a bunch of anti-Semitic content? Is it going to be, uh, you know, something from the Black Lives Matter movement? All those things exist on Medium. There's no unifying force. So I think when you step back, you say, okay, is the app that good? Eh. Um, is the distribution that interesting? Eh. What do you have there as a core product? You got typography. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's not the best. <laughs> now, Bree, what do you think, though, would be a solution to this? Because this is happening to sites all over. Well, it's something I've really asked myself. Um, you know, I floated this idea a bit on Twitter, uh, you know, as I'm running for Congress saying, you know, uh, you know, journalism is doing the people's work for them. And I think with this last election, you can really see the the dangers of, you know, our news being spread on, on Facebook. And it's like, okay, do we, obviously, there's something that's structurally wrong here. Yeah, you know, we can't innovate our way out of this. Like, all respect to you, Simone, I know you work on video stuff. Video is kind of um, promoted. It's like, oh, this is the thing that's going to save uh, publishing. But, you know, I've seen data that showed that those rates are starting to drop as well. And I kind of expect it to be the next thing to fall. So I think we've got to look structurally and saying, why are we will, why are advertisers willing to pay so little for content? Uh, You know, for me, uh, something I've talked about a lot uh, with friends of mine in the video game industry is saying, do we need to come together and form unions as, uh, you know, as people that do work in the game industry? You know, journalism has more than a few unions. Uh, Gizmodo, you know, Christina's company, uh, you know, they very famously formed a union. And I think in that same way, I really think that starting a trade group that I think of Vox Media and, you know, Gizmodo group and, you know, New York Times, all of them got together and said, look, you know, you keep driving these prices down, down, down. Your readership keeps going up, up, up. This isn't fair. We can't work with you and we need to be paid more. I think that is the only way forward I can see because 
you know, uh, you may have someone's blog would be willing to go with some sort of a, you know, cut rate ad structure, Mm -hmm. but you know, all the quality content comes from, you know, the Vox medias of the world, the Washington Mm -hmm. posts of the world. So that Mm -hmm. is something I would be very sympathetic to if a bill crossed my desk in Congress. So, um, yeah. Cool. So, Bree, do you think that the fact that people are getting their media from Twitter and Facebook and in really short little bits is one of the issues that, like, is kind of unsolvable to this problem? I don't think it's a problem, necessarily. Um, I, I get articles every day, and I feel very informed by reading Twitter and seeing the best of what's on Polygon or the Washington Post, like, across the, the spectrum. I even, you know, I deliberately follow conservatives, so I read stuff that's the best of their world. Uh, I think the, the fact-checking issue of that is, is tricky. Uh, but no, I don't think, like, the fact that it's spread through social media innately is a problem. Though I, I mm-hmm. would say this. Um, you know, Simone, before you worked at Polygon, Tracy Lean was one of your very best reporters, and she works for the LA Times there. And I think all the time about this piece she did uh, documenting the fall and rise of THQ, which was one of the best research pieces I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, that's a, a piece that it didn't get many views from the comments, mm-hmm. I would guess, but it is a masterpiece. And I do think it's problematic that the Polygon readers are going to you know, be clicking on whatever sensational story about, you know, Battlefront or Final Fantasy 15 and aren't going to read that, you know, journalistic equivalent of vegetables, right? Yeah. So I I think that's a problem, um, but I don't think you can do anything about human nature. I mean, how do you feel, Georgia? Yeah, I think that it's it's one of, I think that it's just a change in the way that we consume media. Um, I think that the you know, an issue with just the way that advertising became so intrusive and annoying. We're mostly immune to it, even when we see it on the pages. And then we rare, like I rarely will go. Like there's very few sites that I actually go to every day, and I'm going to go to the site. If I if I read an article, like as you on Twitter, I don't have Facebook. But if I read an article on Twitter and I see it and it's interesting to me, I'm going to click on that because someone else that I like or that I trust their media has already like kind of vetted it for me, which saves me time. And the same thing for the few sites that I go to to take a look at media. And so I just think that we don't – like moving from, you know, from newspapers to then to online and now it's kind of like bite-sized sets of information. I don't have a really long time to be able to read through a lot of things because there's so many other things that are already filling my day. So I don't actually have a a good solution to be able – and it always makes me sad when I hear of – large companies that are losing people that need work. And especially at these times of year when, you know, that income is so important, it's it's really sad. But I feel sad mm-hmm. for the people, but I don't know if there's a way that we can change to be able to make something viable that is slowly being weeded out because of, like, I guess, natural selection through our means of the way that we use technology. Simone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sudden segue to me. Yeah, no, it it absolutely is that because I mean, I I think you know the traditional publishing industries also have the same problem, but the internet is such a new medium, and obviously there is room for like those pieces like Tracy wrote, which like she's at the LA Times for a good reason. She's a really really good reporter. Um, she did an incredible piece on homelessness. Uh, I, I think yeah. I think this was her. Oh my god! Yeah, who did homelessness in San Francisco? Yeah, that was so well researched and so well written. Uh, she's amazing. 
and but I mean the things that obviously draw the most people in are like quick hit news pieces or even pieces about memes and like you need those to keep your website running but we also need those more in-depth pieces and balancing that is hard and figuring out like what the payment model for that is like is hard i mean that's academia does its whole own thing where they have you know big long educational things and they put them behind huge paywalls and it becomes a status thing where you can only access that work because you're in that circle of academia and there's nothing really like that for like internet news sites nor do i think that there Mm. should be but i mean every other publishing industry has kind of come up with better payment solutions than we have right now in online publishing and it's sad. So that's I mean, my Simone, thing. Can I just be really like, we're going into this topic for a bit. Can I just be really honest about what I fear for you or, or the women of your generation? Sure. Like, why not? You, you know, uh, you know, as well as I do that as you f- read your Facebook every day, or you read your Twitter every day, you know, we have young women, especially that go into journalism and, I read their stuff and it's fracking awesome. And they've got so much freaking talent and they're doing it and they're, you know, living in New York and doing this five roommates thing and, and making it work. And there's so little way, you know, space to go from there. And it frustrates me to see so many women with so much talent go work in journalism for a few years and then increasingly move over to marketing, you know, which it really strikes me as a a loss of talent. It increasingly seems that the only way to stay in journalism long-term is to move into a real editorial position or a management position where you're like doing more oversight and looking at other people's pieces. And less writing. Yeah. And less writing. And, you know, this is a structural problem, you know, and it's, you just can't keep bringing 20-somethings into journalism and have it burn and churn. I, I, I have to say this. You know, I'm old enough to remember when you would get the New York Times every single Sunday, especially, and read a physical paper, and it would really inform and widen your view on the world. Often when I read news stories today, I'm often am fans of the 20-something writers doing pieces on foreign policy. But I'm like, holy crap, 20 years ago, the person who had been writing this piece would be 50 years old and have (laughs) lived in that part of the world for a while. And no offense to those writers, but our discourse suffers a lot. Mm -hmm. The reason I subscribe to the New York Times is because in paying for that level of journalism, it just makes you a smarter, more informed person than reading stuff written by, you know, people that aren't paid as well to you know, really sweat the details. So, you know, this is a, a structural issue with misinformation in, in, you know, really across every industry in the world today. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fun note to end on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yay! Love your work, Simone. <laughs> yeah, awesome. on happy moments. <laughs> Happy moments with the Rocket Next week podcast. on Rocket. <laughs> what are you up to this week, Bree? I am going to be launching my first set of ads uh, probably Ooh, uh, very That sounds soon. exciting. Really exciting stuff. They are, they're going to be really beautiful. Um, 
And okay, you know, how do you go about launching an ad, though, if I may just ask? Like, how do you pick, like, the right ad? Do you have people that do it for you? Because, like, I'd be like, no, green, no. go with my, green. My background <laughs> is in you know, media messaging. So I, I, I did most of the work myself. Uh, wow. But I'll say FEC compliance is not a freaking joke. And, like, <laughs> really? you start reading all the laws about how you have to follow it. So it's like, I have to say... I'm Brianna Wu, and I approved this message at the end of it. And uh, my picture or moving image of me must be recognizable, must take up 80% of the maximum height of the, oh my gosh. Of the, the shot. It's this, these really? laws. And the laws That's around so making strange. money. I, I've got to tell you this, Georgia. So <laughs> this, is, this is a law that makes sense, but it leads to us having kind of an oligarchy uh, so one of the things is as I'm uh, raising money uh, for to campaign with, um, you know, I can't spend any of the money I get on myself to like live on or or pay for a car or anything like that. It's all got to go for the campaign, which makes sense because you don't want people running for their job. But it also means because you have to work full time on a campaign, you almost have to be independently wealthy. So right, I just exactly. like every everything we've been doing leading up to this is like reading FEC law, which sucks, <laughs> going into that compliance. That doesn't sound like fun working with specialists to get bank accounts set up for FEC oversight. Uh, it is, it is an ungodly mess. I've got to tell you. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's everything you've got to do with the ad. Uh, but as far as the messaging, we're keeping it super positive. And a lot of the reason I announced so early is I wanted other people that aren't represented to really throw their hat in the ring too. You know, uh, I help uh, women, people of color, you know, LGBT people, even engineers that care about privacy. I hope mm-hmm. all of us will get out there and run because these bozos are blowing it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Make yeah. a difference. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Georgia, what Thank are you, you up to? Uh, I'm going to be going back to work next week. Um, you. So yeah. So the right... <laughs> I do. I love actually what I do. Nobody likes um, working. Ugh. I well, <laughs> the millennials. Difference is that I get to do what we're doing now and and help people like live better lives. So like they actually get better and they come back with like great stories of you know different tools and techniques that they're working to make their lives better. So it's actually pretty uplifting. Um, but I guess it's that's nice cool to sleep okay. in and and not have to like dress up in like you know adult clothing and go out. So that is. That is the down part. You should get like, your I'm Ministry not... of Supply clothing and be comfortable and breathe the ball. <laughs> I want to wear Snuggies. Like, if they had a Ministry of sl- Supply oh Snuggie, God. Okay, so here's the thing about Snuggies, Georgia. You aren't naked <laughs> when you wear them. You wear them over clothes. Yeah, but I would wear them under clothes that are, like, no. massively comfortable, like, 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 stretchy pants and stuff. Like, I need, like, yeah, oh that's God. just me. I just... I would live in it if I could. I can't believe um, so Georgia Dow is a naked snuggie wearer. I can't believe that this is information that I need to <laughs> oh, spread to the entire internet. Smoke, you have Wait. no place to complain about that. None, I would like to take none, my chance to complain about Georgia. None, I, I've none. been waiting long enough. <laughs> Listeners, I want you to tweet at Simone and tell her how little ground she has to make that complaint to Georgia about oversharing after our show. I've listened to it, Simone. I know. <laughs> you lift. 
<laughs> well, uh, what am I doing? Simone, God. what are you up oh, to? Complaining yeah, up about to? Georgia on Twitter and then answering angry <laughs> messages from people. Um, I'm back at work. I'm making making an episode of my show, and I just finished another round of edits on my book that's coming out on February 15th. Ooh. So, And that will probably come back to me sooner than I would like. But um, I'll be on Disruption tomorrow talking about uh, whatever you guys talk about there. I don't, I don't really know. I don't get that show. Like, Yeah, we don't either. That's the don't, don't even don't, don't even try to. Yeah. That's painful. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. So this is what I don't understand about your career. <laughs> Just why, does it, why does it Polygon give you Simone de Rochefort the equivalent of like Greg Miller's up at noon? Like, I want you to do the Chelsea Handler thing. I want you to have a, a show that's on every freaking day where you just bring people out in the game industry and interview them and do funny skits. Like, I want the exact same format as like Jimmy Fallon or Conan O'Brien, but with Simone. That, that would, would be, be so the biggest fun. smash hit show totally Polygon had ever had. I could literally that. just go up there and just do my this. This sorry, this is the fun part about the clothes that I wore today. The Minister of Supply clothes, which I'm talking about again. If you've ever seen me in real life, I do a lot of like wiggling and weird bending, yes, and lots of big do. arms. Um, yes, I, you do. I, I, I do deserve to do that on stage in front of of an audience. That feels both embarrassed for me and amused by me. That's always just been my dream. This so. is the thing, because you could talk to anyone and make it interesting, which is the the key to really good talk show guests. Mm-hmm. Like, I you think could you bring mispronounced in, weird. Right. It's it's just awesome. Yeah. You could bring in <laughs> random people from the street and and be like, what's up? I mean, you'd, you'd say it in a Simone way, not a Brianna way. What's up? <laughs> make that show happen. I'll, I'll pitch it. I'll pitch Thank it. You. Bree, Thank your you. way your way sounded like you were interrogating them. You had a little bit of like the Jack Bauer thing happening there. I I <laughs> Jack Bauer's most I, I love Jack Bauer. I do. What? I watch that too though. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like Brianna? Then we should put my Simone, my talk show following Simone's talk show. Where, you know, Simone's like, hey, what's up? Big art movements, being all wacky. And then I'm just like, where are the weapons of mass destruction? And that's the way it goes. You'd be like, that's our first tell me skit. now. Tell me now. That's the first skit we're going to do on this <laughs> show. It, it would be yes. like called Good Cop, Bad Cop. And they yeah. just have to like roll a dice to see who they get first. <laughs> Smoke would be good at that. Good Cop and Bad Cop. It's a deal, and I'll do okay. it. All right, pitching okay. this tomorrow. Pitching it right now. Not even going to wait. <laughs> right. 10 p.m. on right. Wednesday. That's a show. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, Georgia, where can we find you online? You can find me, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, stress issues, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And on Twitter, you can find me at Georgia underscore Dow. Dot com. Brianna, what about you? Uh, I got a uh, piece in Wired this week uh, about my campaign and Business Insider. Uh, and you can find me on the Twitter account known as Space Cat Cal, which is a lot more tame and less opinionated than it was a month ago. So, <laughs> God. Oh, have you man. scrubbed? Have you downloaded your archive? And I, I deleted all of it because, like, there's no chance of a news story coming out on Politico. Like, hey, look at Brianna Wu's awesome joke for 2014. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> That's not going to happen. And the odds are of, oh, Brianna Wu hates 
hates, uh, I don't know, like blah, blah, blah. That coming out is 100%. So there's no value to keeping those tweets. It's all gone. Oh, Wiped my God. I feel you. So, yeah. so are we yep. going to delete like a whole bunch of isometrics? I thought all about of it. it. I have some jokes in there about the Red Sox. And uh, I'm really worried about that being used against me. I'm not joking. So, oh, no. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. You can find my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope you liked it. If you did, I'm sure you know what to do. Leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next week with our usual rotation, United once again. Uh, This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Oh my god, Georgia. (laughs) Wow.